writing from a prison cell. But even in the midst of that place, he writes as a father and he writes as a champion for Christ. And he wants to give us some, some food for our soul to give us strength, not just to, to, to continue on, but to finish strong. And that's what I want us to look at this morning as before I open my heart and share with you this morning. He says in verse 12, he just got done saying a lot. You'll have to go back and read it. But he talks about the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. In comparison to everything else, he counts it as rubbish that he may know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, somehow to be transformed into his likeness. That's what he's kind of talking about. And then he comes right here and he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This morning I want to share from my heart as I use that scripture as a reference to a season that I am in. I don't have time this morning to go into great detail, but this year has been a unique year for me. And as a church where we have been going from glory to glory, it has been a progressive miracle. But on this journey, I have, uh, I have known for many years. For those of you who don't know, you know, I have been saved for 14 years. And, and the Lord, when he pulled me out of my hell and I had my Damascus Road experience, like the Apostle Paul, I knew instantly that I was called to preach the gospel. I knew that God was going to use me. I didn't even know what an evangelist was, but I knew that I was to be one. Amen, somebody. And so it's been a progressive miracle. And I have been someone who has been a bold witness for Christ before I even knew what I was talking about. <laughs> Amen. I was preaching all kinds of heresy. But I knew heaven and hell was real, and I know you better have Jesus. But God was working on me, and he was, he was, you know, taking me on this journey. But in the midst of that, you know, this journey with Jesus... It's not all on the mountaintop. How many know what I'm talking about? It's not all on the retreat. No, you got to go through the valleys. And sometimes those valleys are longer than you want them to be. I got a witness in the house. And those valleys, they, man, they, they take the life out of you. So I, I have my mountaintop experiences with Jesus. And if time were able for any of us to get up and share our life's journey, you know, we don't only have the scriptures, which we base everything off of the word of the Lord. We, we use that as our reference, you know, as our, our, our ground to stand upon. And, you know, but at the same time, I don't just have the history of the Apostle Paul. I have my own history with Jesus now. I can look back over my life and see the faithful hand of God take me from mountaintops, through valleys, through dark places, places I never thought I would make it out of. And God has been faithful. He who began this work in you, he is faithful to complete it. God's doing something in this house and he's doing something in my own life. And this morning I'm just sharing with family. 
Some of you who are guests, this is a good thing for you to see. We're not just a bunch of religious fanatics. We, we are family here. And that's what you desperately need. Brothers and sisters who will come alongside of you. You know, being a family, it's kind of awesome. I, I come, I have three brothers, a sister, you know, a decent-sized family. And so how many know you got a lot of characters when you have a family? Hey, man, somebody. I'm a character in my family, all right? I ain't pointing the finger. I'm just saying, in this family, we got a lot of characters. And so don't you feel out of place. Just be yourself. We want you to discover your identity in Christ and who you are. You don't got to become weird and fanatical like me. You just got to shine for Jesus for who you are. But we're going to help you understand that. But let me get back to where I'm going. So in this present season, time doesn't permit me to go into great details. But it was unique because... Earlier, when Pastor came back from his first missionary trip to Ethiopia, all of a sudden, you know, God's been doing these glorious things overseas progressively over the years since we birthed the church. And the Lord has been stirring my heart. But I had um, kind of wrote off that chapter of my life. Um, the Lord showed me early on I was standing before multitudes. But in my journeys with Jesus, somewhere along the way of discouragement and disillusionment, you know, I call them the, the devil's dirty deeds, all of those things that he loves to use as weapons against us. Depression and, uh, you know, all of the things he uses. Well, anyway, somewhere along that journey, I kind of let that go. I'm like, well, that, that's great. Praise the Lord for people who are called. That's just not my story. Well, the Lord's been working on me. Hello, somebody. It's been a long work, pastors. They have been faithful just like Jesus. But nevertheless, God's been working on this man of God little by little. And I've always had a, I'm, I'm a soul winner. I love winning souls. Every time our church went overseas, I rejoiced with all of heaven to see every soul that was saved, every orphan that was delivered and, and, and brought into the family of God. All the things that we've been a part of, it's been glorious. But God began to speak to me prophetically, specifically when Pastor shared of the exploits of the first trip to Ethiopia. And then all of a sudden he said, I saw Joseph there with me. I said, oh, Lord. First of all, I, don't, I wasn't at the service when you shared that. And my wife came home and shared it with me. And I said, oh, Lord, what are you doing? You know? And I felt like, okay. And I knew God was working on me. And I didn't understand some of the things that were taking place. Well, God began to give us great momentum as a church. And I started to see God move mightily and started to shift my heart a little bit. I was in a very confusing season. How many have ever been there? The last two years for me have been glorious in the birth of our beautiful daughter, Ava, who anybody knows, you love Ava. She's just, she's, that, oh my God. I love my son, but I'm so glad I have my baby girl. <laughs> but other than that, it's been a very difficult transitional time for the last two years for us, wading through some really stormy, muddy waters, trying to figure out what are you doing, God, and where am I going? But in those places, it is important for us to find our way back to that secret place, that place of consecration and surrender. So not only did I have the word of the Lord come to me through, through Pastor Benjamin, I said, well, I took it in. I said, okay, I, I don't know how you're going to do that one, Lord. You know, I'm thinking to myself because I, uh, I'm a truck driver by trade, and uh, I'm going to kill some devils about this in a minute. Well, I'll just kill it right now since I'm on, top, on topic. 
Some of you think, oh, the full-time ministry is just for those who are, are on staff as apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. But let me just say it straight how it is. We are all full-time ministers of the gospel. And God uses us in every arena of life. Our assignments will differ. Some are called to that five-fold ministry. But one of the main emphasis on that five-fold ministry is to prepare and equip and transform your lives until you reach full maturity in Christ and shine for Him as an ambassador in your arena. So we're all full-time ministers of the gospel, soul winners, healers, deliverers, agents of God's grace. And so for me, by trade, I'm a truck driver. And I spent a lot of time there. And anyways, long story short, I had to go back to truck driving two years ago. And when I did that, I had to start all over with vacation. How many know what that's like? You know, I had two weeks, and that's all that I get for a year. So I'm thinking, I work so many hours. I never see my family. She does so much with the kids. There's no way I'm taking my only two weeks of vacation and going to another nation without them. I mean, how is that possible? My wife might leave me if I do something like that. I'm just teasing. But I didn't want to do that. You know, I was like, I got to reward her for everything that she does with the kids. And so anyway, so I kind of wrote it off like, I don't know, Lord, you're going to have to work a miracle on that one. And then all of a sudden, here comes my wife. I'm like, uh-oh. She said, honey, the Lord, the Lord visited me, you know, began to speak to me. I said, okay. And I know when she's getting ready to speak prophetically to me. And I said, okay, well, what did he say? And he said, you need to go. You need to go to Ethiopia. You're supposed to be on that next trip. And so now I'm all messed up. I'm like, okay, I'm receiving it. But I know that Jesus is setting me up, okay? Well, I'm not going to go into great detail. We've all seen the exploits of that trip to Ethiopia. That trip was amazing. But the word of the Lord through pastor to me was that I know who you are, Joseph, and I'm not trying to change your destiny. I just... I, what I saw in the Spirit, or what I felt from the Lord, is that you need to go through the heart of who we are as a church. The DNA of living hope is overseas missions. And he said he saw me as an arrow being pulled back, being shot through the heart of who we are as a church, and that God was going to open my eyes to a greater dimension of my destiny. And so I went with great expectation, knowing God was going to visit me on that trip. And for those of us who have seen the awesome exploits that took place, you know very well it was over and above and beyond anything I could have imagined. God wrecked me on that trip. It was unbelievable. But he began to open a new chapter in my life. But it was confusing for me. And so I've been on this roller coaster of emotions since the return of that trip. And in that process, our family has gone through some tragic moments of losing some loved ones. In a short period of time. And anybody, all of us know how, how difficult that is to trek through. But at the same time, this is when the season I've been in where God has been dealing with me as a man of God. And so now I'm at a place of surrender. And that's what I want to encourage each and every one of you to do. There's moments in our journeys with Jesus where we got to come back to that place of consecration. we got to come back to that place of surrender and take an evaluation of our life and look at everything that we've been through. Look at the successes. Look at the failures. Look at the struggles. Look at all the things that have led you to the moment you're in and lay it all bare before the Lord and say, God, I need you to speak fresh to me. I need you to begin to paint on this blank canvas a new picture for me to lay 
hold of because I've learned a lot leading me to this moment, but now I need the fresh wind of the Holy Ghost on my life again. I need you to show me a vision for my life. I need to lay hold of something, Lord God, that can give me the faith that I need to press on through all of the stuff that I'm in and so that I can finish my race. See, the apostle encourages me because he's a lion for God. He's a champion for Christ. He's somebody who killed his giants and conquered his mountains. Yet he's not talking like some complacent, lukewarm pew sitter that we have that fill our churches all over America who sit back with their arms folded saying, God, do something for me. No, he's sitting there saying, I got to press in. I got to lay hold. I'm not finished yet. I haven't arrived. I got to keep pressing for Jesus. Amen, somebody? Don't make me come out there and get you because I will. I'm a fighter. I'm going to let you know that right now. I'm going to finish my race for Jesus. The devil has tried to discourage me. The devil has tried to knock me back. And I have seen as I've gone through circumstances and crisis and adversity and disappointments where I have shrunk back from the call of God on my life, where I have given up dreams and visions, and I've allowed myself to be isolated into a season where I just began to live a mediocre life. The title of this morning today, I get from a quote from Victor Hugo who says something to this effect. He says, when the pain of mediocre living becomes greater than your fear of success, you're ready for higher ground. What is he saying? For some reason, we say, what do you mean fear of success? Because I want you to know that nobody accomplished great exploits. Nobody obtains great influence without living a disciplined, focused, tenacious life. And some of us as believers in Christ, we get lukewarm. We get complacent. We think, oh, thank God I ain't got to live all that discipline stuff now. I'm saved. I can relax. Are you kidding me? But we take that approach. We see all these people that are in the business arena or in, the, in other arenas, and they're, they're tenacious, they're focused, they're driven, they've got their plan, and we see that as negative. Listen, I want you to know it's not negative. You've got to allow God to anoint what is good and take from it and eat it and spit out the bones. What a, you, you, you can't just look at that and say, oh, that's because they're driven by money. They're driven by fame. They're driven. No, you and I have got to excel in life. We've got to increase. We got to become champions for Christ. And God tells us that it's to our advantage that he, that he goes away so he can send the Holy Spirit. Why? Because with the Holy Spirit on our side, we can live more disciplined lives. We can have more focus. We can have more determination so that we finish our course for God. And listen, when you settle one of the big issues, and that's when you're floating around and you don't have a family in the body of Christ, now you're ready to really excel. You've got a family here. We're planted. we got a, a priority vision that's taking us somewhere, the corporate vision. But you've got to find your place. And sometimes it has to be created. It may not even be in existence right now. You may find your place in the existence of the vision that we're moving forward. But there's also additions that are coming. And it may just as well be you and the vision you're carrying in your spirit. Nobody can give it to you. Vision is born in the place of intimacy with God. You see, when you consecrate your life, when you want to live for Jesus and Jesus alone, and you love the Lord and you worship the Lord for who he is, he begins to impregnate you with vision for your life. 
So what I'm trying to do with my life is not trying to get God to add some sort of blessing on my plans. I've received it in the, in the secret place, in the place of brokenness, in the place of despair, in the place of crying out to God saying, God, I need to know what you're doing in my life. This is something, oh, I, I better not get on a soapbox on this one. But let me just say it. So too many people want to dictate your life. Don't worry about my life, Kay. Worry about yours. What do I mean? Oh, you got great faith. No, no, no. You're supposed to be walking on water, brother. You're supposed to be walking. Listen, you don't think I tried that one? There are times when we're called to walk on water, but you better not walk on water unless Jesus called you out on that water. Because if he called you out on that water, you're not going to sink. You're going to make it. But if he's saying, son, I didn't have nothing to do with that. You're walking out there, splashing. I'm here to help you. You're in a season of preparation. And you're trying to walk on water. Don't worry about other people's life. The apostle says this elsewhere in Corinthians. He says that we just continue to compare oneself one with another, and that's foolishness. Don't do that. I can't carry your calling, and you can't carry mine. But together we got to press on for the high call in Christ. You got to discover the assignments heaven has for you, and they're more than you're presently experiencing right now. There's greatness in all of God's children. And when we tap into the heart of God and we say, God, show me my place in the army of God. Show me the assignments heaven has for me. We can begin to be awakened to the dreams and visions that we can lay hold of. Too many times we see the chaos, the confusion, and the lateness of the hour, and it's true. It is intensified. But too many times Christians... It's as if they got one hand on the luggage and they're just waiting for the rapture. I'm just ready. I'm just trying to stay safe, Pastor. I just, I just, I just trying to make it. I'm looking for the rapture. That's it. Checking out when we're supposed to be checking in. We're all at different places, and it don't matter where you are. Discern where you are in the Lord. Here's the apostle. He's not at the beginning of the journey. Some of you older saints, come on now. You need to be tenacious like he is. Know exactly what God is saying to you right now in your present season. And allow him to give you vision. You see, too many times when we do not have, the, the Bible says, without vision, my people perish, right? But there's another translation that said they cast off restraint. They have no discipline. When you have no vision for your life you have no discipline to get you there and you are being distracted by so many things and it's easy to take you off course and so god wants you to have vision for your life he wants you to see with clarity the purpose the plan that he has for you and and so for me in the season i was in i began to just cry out to the Lord and we need to do that and just lay it all down before him and say Lord I need you to speak to me again I need you to take all of this and begin to show me what you're doing and where we're going so that I have a vision for my life and sometimes it looks a lot different than you originally thought you know what that's all right I don't want to be holding on to yesterday's news when God's trying to do something new in my life you got to let some stuff die I carried stuff that Man, it, I carried it a long time. To let that die, it wasn't easy. But you got to let go. The apostle said, forget what's behind. Forget what's behind. Let go of that stuff 
so you can reach for what's ahead. And so God is encouraging us this morning to dream again, believe again, capture new vision for your life and for your future. Don't check out. It's time for you to press in. You know, I think about, I saw this success cycle, and it, it you know, it came from uh, the, the business arena and, and, and uh, uh, in a secular um, book that I was reading, but it was very powerful, and God began to use it to me. And the simplicity of it was just this. You have your, imagine four squares, or I'm on the back side, so you got your four squares up on that screen. Up top left-hand corner is your potential. The right top corner is your action. The bottom corner is your results. And the bottom left is your beliefs. Well, man, when I saw that, it jumped alive in my spirit. I said, man, that is good. And he began to describe it. And he said, now listen, we all know the potential we have is great. How many would say we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, our potential is awesome? Yet our results are not quite showing that same awesomeness, is it? Hey, I'm, not, I'm, I'm looking at this myself in the mirror. And I looked at that, and then he said, well, what's the problem? He said, well, it has to do with action, first of all. You need, you need to take massive action to get great results in your life, but not just action alone. Your actions are a direct result of what you believe. And see, too many of us are being driven by voices that say, it don't matter what you start, you're not going to finish. Oh, I know, you tried that one before. So you're like, man, I'm doing this, but you're still believing, man, I tried this one before. And guess what? When you fall short of it, it empowers that belief. And it flexes on you a little bit more. We got to renew our minds. We got to fuel our souls with the promises of God. And let the promises of God be in that area. Empower every action step we take. Because as I've been visiting with God, He has called me back to this place of surrender. And He's beginning to revisit me to dream again. And He's beginning to paint on a canvas what my future looks like. And all of a sudden, of course it's impossible. <laughs> I'm dealing with God. He, you think he's going to make it easy? I'm like, all right, let's do it. This is great. And when the anointing's there, how many know when the anointing's there, it's awesome. And then when the anointing lifts, you go, oh, my God, how in the world am I going to do this? Are you kidding me? God will give you a strategic plan. But with every plan he gives you comes a grace to carry that plan out. There's greatness in you. God wants to draw it out of you. We need to encourage one another. We're family. We're brothers and sisters. And listen, part of that process, I understand that not only are we a family. I like to say it this way. We're a family, but we're also a hospital, a Holy Ghost hospital for hurting humanity. We got emergency wards going on all the time. We need to be there for one another. We need to bring ourselves to a place of healing. But how many know we're also an army? We don't need everybody on hospital beds. Come on now. We need all of the army activated. And we need, we need to discover who you are in the Lord. We need to discover your gifts and your talents. And we need to activate you. And we need to get you about your father's business. Because we got a generation to win. Now listen. One, one of the things that's come alive in me is the fact, you know, God began to show me that what I thought was faith was really fear. 
Why? Because I was so determined these last two years to say, I ain't looking back. I'm not looking back. It's got to happen now. It's got to happen now. And all of a sudden, I began to, 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 to try to make something happen now that wasn't time to happen now. And you've got to discern where you're at. The word of the Lord for some of you is preparation time is never wasted time. If God has got you in a season of preparation, let him work on you. Let him get you cleansed and delivered and healed and prepared. Why? He's not trying to destroy you. He wants to prepare you for promotion. There's higher ground. So the pain of mediocre living, just existing, just surviving, man, that's painful. Maybe you're okay with it. I'm not. I've seen too much of the glory of God. I've seen too much of God's glory in my life. He's shown me way too much for me to simply go through the motions of life and simply exist. Are you kidding me? Well, no way. Not, not me. And if you're pressing into the, to the presence of God, he's going to open whole new dimensions. Dimensions where he's going to usher you in to touch a piece of his own heart. You see, when you, when, how many know Jesus ever lives to intercede for us? I heard it before said by a great man of God of old. I forgot who it was. But he said, when you, when you really capture true intercession, it's when you pass through the heavenlies and you connect with the heart of God. And he gives you a piece of his heart. And you come in agreement with him. You see, when you get intimate with God, he begins to open his heart to you. And so all of a sudden, those dreams and visions will empower you and fuel your life of discipline. And you say, you know what, like when I went with our, our pastors, I'll never be the same. Are you, those seeds were dropped in me. I cannot shake free from that. That was a part of my destiny. I stepped into a moment of destiny to say, okay, now you're feeding me for a new vision. And I need to have greater faith for where we're going. I don't know where you're at, but I want you to know this. There's so much more. To what God wants to do in your life and through your life. He is faithful to complete what he has begun in you. You know, the apostle talks about pressing on and it's imagery of a, of a, of a, of a, a race, uh, a runner in a race exerting all of his energies to make it to the finish line. Well, how many know in this race that you and I are running, this isn't some hundred yard dash. We've seen that. I've been there. Oh, I got this one. I'm going all out for Jesus. And you make it a few hundred yards and you're out of breath. You're on the side of the road. Woo, man, where am I going? This is, I'm winded, Lord. Good night. I was running strong, but I can't keep up this pace. This Christian journey is not like that hundred yard dash. It's more like a marathon. You see, when you watch the Olympics and you see the 200-yard dash or whatever it is where they, where they sprint for a short distance, the whole crowd is on their feet waiting, and when that first person crosses the finish line and wins, the place goes wild for that first person. And, the, and everyone else kind of feels like, man, I tried my best. But the whole place goes wild for the winner. But the marathon is a little bit different, isn't it? You see that first person coming around towards the finish line, and the place does go wild, but it doesn't end with them. Here's one person coming an hour later, and the whole excitement is back again. And the whole place goes wild again. And it doesn't just end with the second or the third. 
In fact, sometimes it's the one who comes 20 hours later and they're the last one just barely making it across and everybody, nobody's left, everybody's waiting and the whole place goes wild for that last person. Amen? What am I saying by that? Listen, your Christianity, sometimes the greatest testimony that can be said about your life and my life is not that we never failed, not that we've fallen short, but that we've kept walking for Jesus. I've kept going for Jesus. I have finished my race. Maybe I didn't get there when I wanted to get there, but I'm still moving forward for Jesus. I'm still pressing on. I'm still taking step of faith after step of faith. And the devil can taunt you or taunt me all he wants, but sometimes you just got to get Get up and say, devil, I'm still walking. I'm still walking for Jesus, and I'm not giving up, and I'm not shrinking back. I have, this, I have experienced much, much disappointment, much things that would have taken many people out, but you know what? You give your brokenness to the Lord, and you say, Lord, use it for your glory. And out of a lot of our broken, brokenness comes a lot of healing for others. Just keep walking for Jesus. Just keep walking for Jesus.